everyone, I'm Leora, and this is a Simply Lighthearted Podcast. This is a place where I like to come and share a couple of stories and talk through life through that lens. I think stories are a way that connect us. I think stories are a way that we feel seen. I think stories are a way that help us feel less alone. And I know that I'm not alone in the storytelling world. I think that a lot of people use this as a tool to help people connect and feel seen and known. And I think stories are just such an important part of our makeup. And so for the next couple of weeks, I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking to you through the Christmas stories, but I want to put on a particular lens to tell these stories through this year. When I first started thinking about Advent, I won't tell you what time of year I start thinking about Advent, but it might be in the spring. I started thinking about the words comfort and joy, and they just stuck with me for a long time about the season of Christmas and wanting it to be a season of comfort and joy. And I kind of rolled those around in my mind on and off throughout the summer, just thinking about what kind of stories I'd want to tell over Advent and what kinds of things I'd want to put in my heart to prepare myself for a perfect Christmas. And the funny thing is, is once I started getting ready to actually record the podcast, I started to write down my notes and my thoughts. And it didn't quite line up with comfort and joy. When I was reading through the scriptures, when I was reading in the Bible, I kept on coming up with a very different theme. And how could this have anything to do with comfort and joy? How is this theme matched to that? And then it hit me. It's because we all long for comfort and joy. That is what our hearts want. And that's why Christmas can be such a beautiful season and at the same time, disappointing. Because rarely, in my experience anyways, is Christmas a time of full comfort and full joy. There's usually a mixed bag of a whole lot of other things. And so the lens that I wanna tell our Advent stories through this year is through the lens of a very disruptive Christmas. I think that the Christmas story is full of disruptions. Every single time I read through those first chapters in the Gospels, everything that I could imagine or think about, and every time I read those stories of those people's lives and wondering what it must have felt like and sensed like and what they would have wondered and thought about, all I could imagine was how disruptive this Christmas story is. And then as I thought about it, I thought, you know, why are we surprised when our lives are full of disruption as well? What is true for all people is that we can expect a lot of disruption in our life. I think that most of us have this picture in our mind of what the perfect Christmas is, whether it's who is with us or what we're doing or what it feels like or smells like or tastes like, what we experience. Um, what's around us, what the weather is like. We all have this idea of what we want our Christmas to look like. And what Advent does for us is it gives us opportunity to prepare our hearts for what Christmas is all about. We spend four weeks preparing our homes for Christmas or more. Some of you have started long before today, but for most of us, we start right around this season decorating our homes 
But what about our hearts? How are we going to prepare our hearts to celebrate the birth of Jesus and what that means for us today? So that's what these stories are going to be about these next four weeks, is preparing our hearts for this Christmas season. And although I want to lead us into this place of comfort and joy, I think, first of all, we have to deal with this disruptiveness that is going to come at us. We all know it's going to happen. Something's not going to go as we planned it. At least one thing, if not everything, is going to maybe go sideways. And what is in our hearts to deal with that? For me, a perfect Christmas is reflecting back on probably not a clear picture of what Christmases were like for me in my childhood. I don't know about you, but maybe you had a great Christmas as a kid, or maybe it was terrible. I'll tell you about my Christmas experience. I've shared in past episodes a little bit of some of our family Christmas traditions. Um, But for us, it was like this idea, this sense of everybody being together. And that was really what brought about a sense of calm and comfort and peace. Okay, it wasn't calm. (laughs) There were six kids in my family. Let's not lie here. It was not calm. But there was a sense of comfort in Christmas. On Christmas Eve, we would go as a family and we would go to the church that my parents worked at. And we would help hand out the candles for the Christmas Eve service. And we would go through Christmas Eve service one, everybody lighting the candles. And then blowing them out and collecting them. And then we'd be ready again at the Christmas Eve service too to hand out the candles again and be ready to see our friends at the next service and say Merry Christmas. And just that joy in the season. After the services were done, we would go and we'd pick up my grandma and we would head home for Christmas Eve. And on Christmas Eve, we had all kinds of things that we would do as a family that were a tradition. I can't remember the exact order of how things went, but basically we would have appetizers when we got home. We would get to open one Christmas present the night before. We would all grab our sleeping bags and blankets and pillows, and we would all pile into the living room under, we always say under the tree, but we were around the tree. While we were sleeping, my mom would get up and she would, well, she never would go to bed. I don't know what time she ever made it to bed on Christmas Eve, but she would stay awake and she would prepare our Christmas presents. And we did this thing where we would put our Christmas presents, instead of having stockings hung, um, we would get our Christmas presents uh, that would normally go in a stocking on a couch cushion. And it would be a space on the couch where a little name tag would be. And there was presents on there like stickers and CDs and just different things that um, I think it was just easier for my mom not to have to wrap all those presents. Um, But it was always so exciting to wake up in the morning and we got to go and look at those presents right away. It was so fun. We had such a great time going and looking at those presents and you could do it kind of as you woke up. And so, you know, different siblings would get up at different times and did you see what you got? Come see, come see. And we'd all run downstairs and we would look at our couch cushions and what we got and we would play with the things or eat the stuff or whatever it was that we were going to do. And then the waiting. The waiting. (laughs) I think everybody had to wait until everybody was up for that Christmas present opening. And we didn't just have to wait till everyone was up. We first had to have our grapefruit. Yep. 
Not sure why that started as a family tradition, but we had to have a grapefruit before we opened our Christmas presents. It was probably to offset all the sugar we had, um, give us something a little sour instead of all of that sweet stuff. Um, but we would eat our grapefruit and then we would all gather in the living room and we would pause and read the Christmas story and pray and hand out presents and open them all together. Now, doesn't that sound perfect? Doesn't that sound amazing? You know, as a child, it felt pretty amazing. And as an adult reflecting back, I like to give it this beautiful picture of like, wow, amazing Christmas. But you know what? I I can imagine if I were to have a conversation with my parents today to talk about how they felt about those services, like getting us out the door on time and making sure we're all wearing shoes or boots and coats. Look, so-and-so's running down the aisle of the church holding a burning candle. Um, Oh, the roads are really icy. We're going to have to go slow. Or should we have even left the house tonight? Oh, did we clean the house before grandma came over? Like all of these things, right? We didn't feel or sense those things as a kid. But there was all these things that I'm sure felt very disruptive for my parents over Christmas. I think sometimes we paint these pictures of what we hope or we wish Christmas would be. Whether it's something we remember from our past or something we make up and hope for or wish for in our future. And Christmas isn't really like that. But what are we going to do with our disappointments? How do we deal with that disruptiveness in a way that is helpful? Because it's going to come. It's going to be there and things aren't going to feel like comfort and joy. It might feel sad or hard or chaotic or disorganized or just not quite how we envisioned it. And so how do we deal with that kind of feeling? There's two characters in the Bible that we meet fairly early on in the Christmas story. And I love comparing these two women They have such a different story, but both of them had massive disruptions in their life when the announcement of the Messiah, Jesus, came to each of them. First, let's meet Elizabeth. Elizabeth was barren. She had no children. She was born of the Levitical line, a priestly line where she and her husband, Zechariah, would serve in the temple. They would be a part of the community that took care of the temple, that would offer the sacrifices, that would trust God, that would pass on to their children this deep tradition and beautiful um, religious ways of honoring God and leading people to honor God that way. But Elizabeth and Zechariah had not been able to have children. And it always feels like even in the culture today that not having children is kind of this uh, disappointment. It's this hardship that is so deeply difficult to describe to anyone else. If you're new around here, you might not know, but that is part of my story, that my husband and I are also barren. And so when I read this story, it really hits home for me. Elizabeth is past childbearing years. They have moved on. They've grieved. They figured out how to do their day-to-day lives without having children. 
and they'd come to terms with it. I'm sure I know from my own experience, you never stop grieving the thing that you long for, the thing that you wish you had, the thing that you pray about all of the time. But somehow you just learn to move on. You learn to get through each day in a different way and embrace it in a new way. And I feel like that's where Elizabeth was at. She and Zachariah had had these conversations, I'm sure, and shed as many tears as they could possibly imagine, shedding and crying and feeling and sensing this loss, this grief, this dream that they had to give up. Until one day, Zachariah was in the temple and he was doing his priestly duties. He was going behind the curtain and he was lighting the incense back there. And then all of a sudden, there is an angel that comes and gives him a message that his wife is going to have a child. And Zachariah, who we will get to on another day, does not understand. He doesn't believe the angel or he's surprised. He, he questions what, what is happening one of the things that happens for Zechariah when he is behind the curtain and because of his disbelief, the angel tells him that he can't speak. He can't talk. He can't go home to his wife and explain in detail what the angel has told him. Sure, he can write it down and I'm sure he did because somehow they had some kind of conversation. So when Zechariah goes home and goes to have a conversation with his wife about what the angel has told him, I'm sure it was a very confusing time for them. But let's talk about the disruptiveness in the life of Elizabeth. She has grieved. They don't think about having a little one in their home. They don't think about what it might take, the energy. They don't think about how their lives might change. They don't think about the new friends they're going to have to make because the playdates aren't the same. When you don't have kids at the same time as your adult friends, it makes things weird and you got to figure out how to make friends with your little one and all these things, the disruptiveness of it all, like her rhythms, the things that maybe she volunteered doing and giving her time to, all of that was going to change now because she was going to have a child. Or so Zachariah said, after Zachariah came home, it wasn't long after that, that Elizabeth found that she was pregnant and she went into seclusion. She went off by herself to spend some time. The Bible doesn't tell us why or, or what she did. Maybe there were some cultural traditions, but I wonder if it's that she was preparing her heart, making room for what a disruption a child would be to her life. And also a time of worship, a time to praise God for the miracle that he had put inside of her. The second lady that I want to tell you about in this Christmas story is Mary. Now Mary is at the other end of the spectrum. She's young. She's a cousin to Elizabeth. She has her whole life ahead of her. She's engaged to be married uh, and she's just getting ready for that day. All the things, all the hopes and dreams and everybody's standing around helping her plan her wedding, this big celebration, the excitement that would come from it and the joy and all of the things that come from getting married. You gain a second family, more friends, all of the traditions, all of the things that happen when two people come together as one. 
is such a beautiful and exciting time in a person's life. But just as Mary is getting ready to marry Joseph, an angel comes to her with a very disruptive message. He tells her that she is going to have a baby. And it's not going to be Joseph's baby. It's going to be God's baby. When I say it like that, doesn't it sound a little more far out there? Like, I think sometimes when we hear the Christmas story and we're like, oh, so sweet, oh, an angel, how nice. Every time that an angel is seen in the Bible and comes and talks to someone, they always start out their message with, don't be afraid. I think they say that because these celestial beings, these angels, these beautiful things that God has created are not like what we're used to seeing. They're not these cherubs that are like beautiful little people, angels with chubby cheeks and little wings. They're these incredible beings that are just different than what we would expect to see. And so Mary gets this message from an angel that totally, completely derails her life. To the point where her fiancé is ready to break up with her. In fact, he was planning on it. This is not a happy Christmas. This is not the kind of Christmas that Mary was expecting. And of course, they didn't have Christmas then. This is the beginning of it. But still, you know those big moment celebrations, the ones that we want to be just perfect, just so. That was where Mary was at. She was planning her wedding. She was planning her life. And instead of that, she's now planning that she's going to have a baby and it's not going to be her fiancé's. It's not going to be her husband's. It's going to be a seed planted in her by God. She's going to be a virgin and then she's going to give birth to Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Mary accepts this disruption in her life with grace. She looks at the angel And she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. That's how she embraced disruption in her life. At least this one, the one from God. She looked at it and she was like, all right, this is what God has for me. Let's do it. And I'm sure that not every moment of their journey was that way. Like when she told Joseph and he was stunned and he was like, I don't think I can marry you. He went home and was going to divorce her. But an angel came and spoke to Joseph about that and that didn't happen. But still, there was would have been moments in Mary's life where it's not all beautiful and pretty. It's not comfort and joy. Being pregnant without being married in that day and age would have been a death sentence in some communities. It for sure would have been cutting you off from your family, your friends, the people that know you. Like, who is going to believe you that, no, 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 this is this is God's baby. Like, I, I just uh, going to have the Messiah. Like, who's going to believe that line from this young woman who is about to get married? And for Joseph, like, this is a this is a really hard time in her life. Mary and Elizabeth meet up. And this is how I think they dealt with this disruption in their life. This is how they made their way through to a place of comfort and joy. When they met each other and received each other, they both praised the Lord. They both 
worshipped God for the things that he had done and he was going to do. They sang praises to him. They talked about his goodness and his greatness in amongst all of these disruptive things that were happening in their lives. So as we prepare our hearts for Advent, I think I'd like to do the same. I'd like to get a little better at practicing worshipping God seeing him for who he is, seeing through the chaos, seeing through the disruptions, and just seeing his hand at work in the world around me. I want to let go of my perfect picture. And I want to embrace the disruption that comes when we say, God, my life is your life. I want to follow you. I want to do what you have asked me to do, no matter the cost. So as we prepare our hearts for Advent over the next couple of weeks, let's up our thanksgiving. Let's turn up the volume on our worship music. Let's get our thankfulness journals out and start writing down the ways that God has shown up in our lives. Let's look at the disruptions uh, through the lens of what is God doing? What can I see that God is doing? What is, where is he at work in my life right now where I can praise him, where I can see his hand and I can let go a little bit of control? Where can I find the comfort and peace that he offers me in the chaos? Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week for our next episode on the Simply Lighthearted podcast about a very disruptive Christmas.